Mitzvah Yud Beis, Mitzvah Yud Gimel. The Mitzvah of Yud Beis, the 12th Mitzvah in the Rambam, and the 13th Mitzvah is as follows. Mitzvah 12 is, Hushi Sivanu Lahaniach Tfilon Shal Rosh. A positive command to wear Tfilon on our heads. As the Pasuk says, you should wear the tefillin, it's a funny word, but between our eyes, let's just say. And this mitzvah is actually repeated four times. So if you assume that you repeat things for emphasis, the fact that Torah says four times you should wear tefillin on your head seems to imply it's a fairly important mitzvah. That's mitzvah number, number 12. Mitzvah number 13 is, who should tefillin shal yad? Not only do you wear tefillin on your head, you wear tefillin on your arm as well. And this as well is repeated four times. Again, the emphasis seems to imply that there is, um, that there is there, it's an important mitzvah. And he goes on to explain why he thinks it has to be two separate mitzvahs. And then he ends off very critically. These two mitzvahs, women are exempt from the mitzvah of wearing tefillin. Why? What would you say? Insert the next word, mipnei. It's time-bound mitzvah. Any mitzvah that's time-bound, a woman is exempt from. There are exceptions. In fact, there are more exceptions than there are rules, potentially. Um, but uh, that's what he says. Why it says time by day, right? No, it's just t- anything that's time-bound. If it's time-bound. No, I mean that's... So we'll get, there, we'll get there in a minute. We'll get there in a minute. Because listen to... Uh, give me in a minute. Because listen to what the Rambam says then. And how do I know women are exempt from time-bound mitzvahs? Because... Excuse me. How do I know women are, accept, are exempt from tzvillin? Mipnei... Why do we wear tefillin? We wear tefillin so that we should remember that the Torah should always be in our mouth. And women are exempt from Talmud Torah. And since women are exempt from Talmud Torah, they're going to be exempt from the mitzvah, which seems to imply that we should uh, remember to always have learning in our mouth. So that's like a little strange. Why would the Rabbim go for this funny drasha, this funny limud, when you can easily just say the rule is a time-bound mitzvah? So we'll have to explore that as well. I don't know. You're making an assumption there. You're making an assumption there. Yeah, okay. So Jonathan's pointing out it must be the Rama thinks that it, it would be a technically, it's not a time by mitzvah, which means you can wear it during the day, you can wear it at night, you can wear Shabbos, you can wear right? That's what seem to, you seem to say. We'll see. Um, I also think it's also interesting the Rambam seems, well, let's just say this now. It could be, potentially, just a, a thought. We often, when we think of film, we, we most closely associate the mitzvah of tefillin with. Tefillah, right? With tefillah. Or Shema, right? The Gemara says anyone who doesn't wear tefillin when they're saying Shema, it's as if they're made Eid Shekhar, they're, 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 they're swearing falsely, because they're, they're giving false testimony, because in your Shema you're saying, I'm wearing tefillin, and then you're not wearing tefillin, which obviously doesn't mean if you say Shema once without wearing tefillin, you're testifying falsely, because the Mugan of Ram points out, we have Shabbos, we have night. But it means if you don't, if you, in general, as a rule, don't wear tefillin, and then you decide to start saying Krishma, how can you do that? You're saying Shema, talking about how you're supposed to wear tefillin, not wearing tefillin, you're doing the wrong thing. So we most often closely associate the mitzvah of tefillin with Shema, with tefillah, but the Rambam seems to say, no, it's most likely anchored in Talmud Torah. If the whole idea is you're supposed to remember learning, and that's even the, the reason, that's the source for why a woman's exempt. So what I want to explore is as follows. Number, we'll, we'll, we're probably not going to touch as much on the woman one, yeah. Yeah, I hear. I, I'm not sure, but I have, a, I have a hypothesis for that. I have a hypothesis for that. We'll get there in a minute. Interesting, yesterday I was looking, I was just quickly reading through all the different mitzvahs, and that's the first question that always pops into your head, like, why did the Rambam put this here, put that there? Is there a reason? We, we, we noted, like, no one knows if there's a reason, but the fact that he seems to, you know, lean heavy on certain mitzvahs in the beginning, like, 
knowing God, loving God, etc. Seems you know he probably is some sort of hierarchy. But before I get to that, number the first question this is the Ramban asked is, if I were to ask you, ready for this one, Charles? I have for you a tzukas, a lulav, an esrog, hadas. I don't have an arava. You want to shake it? <laughs> no, it's sukkah. It's sukkah. Yeah. We're missing the arava. Okay. So you would assume probably there's no need to shake it because the mitzvah is to shake all four species. You're missing one, so then forget it, right? Why it's one mitzvah? For some reason, the Rambam counts tefillin as two mitzvahs. Mitzvah number 12 is to put on the head, and mitzvah number 13 is to put on the arm. And the question is going to be why? What's he implying from there? Right, the implication seems to be it's separate mitzvahs, meaning if you only have the head or only have the arm, it's all good and well. You don't have to put on both at the same time, simultaneously. Yeah. Correct. The question is, what does that mean? The question is, what does that mean? So that's number, number one. It also, I'll tell you what this is important. The Ramban, Nachmanides points out as follows. He says, if you look through the Ramban, we've mentioned this in various times, there are a lot of mitzvahs which have two, two parts to them, such as Krishma. Say Shema in the morning, we say Shema at night. Rambam counts it as one mitzvah. The mitzvah to say Shema. What does that mean? Day and night. The Ramban doesn't. Every day in the Beis HaMikdash, they brought two karbanos, the karban tamat shal shachar, karban tamat shal ben arabayim. The morning sacrifice, the afternoon sacrifice. Rambam counts it as one mitzvah. Seemingly, the Rambam seems to imply that oftentimes you have mitzvahs that have multiple components, but really we counted, it's only, it's only going to be counted as one mitzvah. So it's multiple actions, one mitzvah. The Ramban says, so if the Rambam, if Maimonides wanted to be consistent, why would he count Shema as one mitzvah, but count Tefillin as two mitzvahs? It's seemingly one action, and it's two actions, but it's one goal. That, that's, that's, that's the Nachmanides question. It's a good question. Right? Just parenthetically, because we discussed it a few weeks ago, why would the Rambam count Shema as one mitzvah? So it's one idea. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Rambam also implies that, as you just mentioned, if you say, here's the question. If, you, if, if it comes, it's night, then day, right? That's how we, we follow. What if you don't say Shema at night? Should you still say it during the day? If it's one mitzvah. Some will say no. Some will say there's no need to because it's one, it's one mitzvah. The same way you have, if you have your lulav, you're missing the esro, you only have half, you have half the mitzvah. So if you say Shema at night, if you miss Shema at night, don't say it during the day. It's one thing. It's like if you only say half a Shema esrei. You're missing the purpose. He's got to say the whole thing. Others will say, no, it's enumakiv zeh You don't say it at night, you can still say it during the day. Which seems to imply it's two mitzvahs. So Rav Asher Weiss, he's like, oh, you know what? It must be, we're all getting hung up here. Is it one mitzvah? Is it two mitzvahs? Well, that, that's, that's what the implication is. Rav Asher Weiss says as follows. It must be, we're getting all hung up. Is it one mitzvah? Is it two mitzvahs? Why? Because of the way the Rambam counted it. And Rav Asher Weiss is like, I'm just, I'm just not so bought into I'm not married to this idea that the way in which the Ram decides to count things, that's how we're going to decide if it's one mitzvah, two mitzvah. Maybe the Ram counts it as one mitzvah, it's mitzvah shema, but it's two, it's, it includes really two mitzvahs, which is not going to, in the list of 613, like, don't get, so mar- don't get married to this idea that we need to have 613, and that's going to be exactly going to convey and decide how in which each, you know, how many components are to the mitzvah. Don't be so medayic, don't make so many inferences into the fact that the Ram had 613, and therefore he counts it as one mitzvah. Two mitzvahs subscri- subsume number one. What? That's kind of what Rav Asher Weiss says. I don't love it. So Rav Salvechik often... So we're going to work towards that. Rav Salvechik says the follows. Maybe you can make an argument that it's what we call a chatzishir. What's a chatzishir? So the Gemara and Yuma, we'll get to assume in Mishnah Yomi. 
Chatsi Shira is that a person, we know, in order to be in violation of, let's say, eating non-kosher, you need to have a certain amount. What You have to have what's considered eating. You have to have a kazayas, right? An olive's worth. What if you have half an olive's worth? Did you do anything wrong? Correct. So that's okay. So that's already beyond that. Well, but I'm saying, but even even the quantity, if you have less than a, an olive size in one sitting, and then you have another half an olive size in another sitting, it's considered. So what you're 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 actually you're buff you're uh, you're helping me out here because what you're trying to say is what we're trying to do. Ethan's pointing out that Gemara and Shabbos talks about it. If you eat an, half an olive's worth, you're not obligated. You're not liable, excuse me. You eat another half of an olive's worth, you know, 10 minutes later, do we join them together and now you had a full olive, so if you're liable or not. But why would you do that? Why would you do that? So I'll give you a good place where actually we do do it. Ready for this? Someone has to eat on Yom Kippur because they're sick. What do we say? Best is to eat, we call shiurim. Eat less than the amount one would be obligated in because it's not considered officially eating. Now, if you have to eat more, then eat, eat, eat a plate. But why do we have to spread it out? Because that's what we join together. So let's just assume the question, it's a, it's, a, it's a theoretical question for now. Can you eat half an olive's worth? So the Gemara says you can't do it. Meaning, one's not allowed to do so. The question is, why not? So some say, because what essentially is half an olive, olive of meat, of chalev, of forbidden food? It's just you're working way towards the greater iser. Yeah. So the same, you can't have a full one, you can't have a half one. It's just we're not going to punish you until you have the full amount. But really, the iser is, right, when I go and eat this, Chazer, I mean this pig, whether I eat a full kazayas, a full olive's worth, or a half, it's the same iser of eating pig, it's just I'm only going to be liable, right? The bar, I assume in American law, right? If you shoplift, as we know now, it's all over the news, you have to take a certain amount in order to be punished. Well, you get punished more if you take more. Correct. But if you take, if you steal three pennies from uh, the, uh, I don't know, the convenience store, they're not going to punish you. Why? Is it wrong? Of course it's wrong. But... You're not going to punish you. Yeah, you're stealing. So, but it's it's you didn't steal the right amount. So we can almost say it's like the, the bar in order to for, for, to be punished is up here. If you go here, so now you I ate chazer. Didn't eat enough. Others disagree. The other way of looking at it is no, that the Torah just has a general principle of don't do chatzishir. Don't indulge in eating half of or whatever violation may be. Don't do half of it. Why not? Well, technically, it's not. It's considered I didn't eat pig. To eat, you have to have a certain amount. Oh, it's not considered eating. It's not considered eating, but just taste. It's tasting, not eating. So you're not, technically, from the perspective of the Torah, I am not liable for eating chazer, for eating pig, or half the kazais, because it's not considered eating. However, there's another, a new iser the Torah creates called eating half a mount, half a shear. Almost like you could say it's like, it comes from chutzpah. Like, who do you think you are to come ahead now and eat half, half a mount? So you're, you're in violation of the, the chutzpah of chati shear. It's an interesting way to look at it. So Rabbi Salvechik says as follows. Do we take the same, let's take the, the same, um, the same principles of chati shir, doing half a mount, can we plug it into positive mitzvot as well? What if I eat half a shir of matzah? I only eat half a kazayas of matzah. Did I fulfill my obligation of matzah or not? Or somewhat fulfill my obligation or not? So he says, that if you can take the, the way we look at it, it's this framework. If you say eating half a kazayas, half of olive worth of chalev, or chazer, pig, it's as if I ate pig, I just didn't eat enough to be liable. So maybe you can say, if I eat half a kazayas of matzah, I didn't eat matzah, I just didn't eat enough in order to totally fulfill my obligation, but I fulfilled it halfway, whatever that's worth. Whereas if you say no, it's a brand new iser of don't eat half, half a shear, 
So then we're not going to apply that by positive mitzvah. They didn't make that. There's no need to make that because it's not chutzpah to half a shear. Meaning you're trying to fill the obligation. You didn't get it. Right? You following? And also blessing the earlier explanation, though, also. Oh. We didn't do a positive framework of negative framework of, oh, you're halfway to the Esther and you're on your way. So you could plug in that same idea and Correct. say matzah that maybe you're not. There, yeah, but you're halfway. Yeah, it's too much. So that, that's exactly my point. Comics, but you're at least trying. Yeah, yeah that's exactly my point. Whereas if you, it depends on how you look at it. So, right, Salvation says as follows. If you assume you're halfway there, so it's, it's still significant. It's just not significant enough to say you've totally fulfilled your obligation. Well, let's plug it into Shema. If I miss Shema at night, why should I still say Shema during the day? Because I'm halfway there. Whereas if you tell me no, if you tell me no, Halfway there, it doesn't cut it by mitzvah's assay. It's only by los assays because we basically say to you, like, how dare you go ahead and start eating half of chazir? How dare you go ahead and eat half of, a little bit of food on Yom Kippur? Like, that's chutzpah. Ah, you, you technically say, sorry, judge, like, you only said I'm obligated if I steal $10. I ate till $5. Like, you're a chutzpah. You're doing the wrong thing. So then we're, but that, that principle only exists by a negative command. By positive command, we never, they, they never instituted it wasn't instituted to do that for positive man, therefore you didn't do anything. So I'll let you want to argue that if you assume a chati shir, the reason you're obligated is because it's part of the, the Avera, so you can say by a mitzvah if you, that maybe it's part of the mitzvah as well, so that's why you should still say Shema. That's why you still say Shema the other day, even because you're halfway there. He happens to disagree with this, but I thought it was a very interesting way of looking at it, and it's a very important clock. Okay, the question is as follows. Why then did the Rambam count the mitzvah of Tfilin as two different mitzvahs? Why? Why would he do that? Ah, they served in verses. How do you know that? Uh, so let's let's. The Gemara said, "Well, it's any more than that." So the is about like. So we'll get. I want to. Let's see it inside. The Rambam in Hilchus Tefillin writes as follows. He writes, um, exact exact words here. Give me one second. Trying to make where I. So Rambam here. Where is this? Where is this quote? Here we go. The Rambam writes that you should have tefillin should be lihiyos tefillin al rosh. You should have tefillin on your head. This is in the in the, the yada chazaka and his halachic work. And then he says ukushart malyad. You should tie them to your arm. So you would assume. I always assumed. What does Rambam mean? You should have in your head, you tie it to your arm. I mean, that's just a way of saying he's basically mimicking the psukim. You should have tefillin. You should wear tefillin on your head and on your arm. But going with what Jonathan's saying, there are those who want to say it. Salvechik points this out as well. That maybe that's not what he's saying. Maybe the Rambam is saying that the purposes of tefillin shalrosh and the purposes of tefillin shayad are totally different. The purpose of tefillin on the head is it, you should be wearing tefillin on your head. That's the mitzvah. The mitzvah is to wear it on your head. Whereas the purpose of tefillin on the arm is just that you should tie it there. I mean, the mitzvah is to tie the tefillin on the arm. Wearing it, that's almost incidental because you had to tie it there. Whereas the tefillin on the head, you're supposed to wear. That's two different mitzvahs. We'll see why in a minute that is. But if he says that, what we're trying to say is, yes, we always say put on tefillin, put on tefillin, put on tefillin. But there's a difference. For the arm, the mitzvah is to tie it. Give me one second. For the arm, the mitzvah is to tie it. For the head, the mitzvah is to be wearing it. And then he's... I just take a piece of parchment that has the on it and literally... Because the Allah tells us it has to be boxes and all that. Allah No, you should. Tie, it's, no, no, no. Like, it's, you can't. No, but what's, wear but what's, it on your but what's, what's correct? What's the mitzvah? 
What's the mitzvah? We'll see in a minute why it's so relevant. We're talking about with brachas and other things as well. Now, I'll give you an example. Ready? The Gemara tells us as follows. A person has to go travel. You wake up early in the morning, pre-dawn. All right? Not, no, assume for this case, there's no obligation of wearing tefillin at night. And in the, this tra- the person is traveling, they cannot, wear, they cannot carry their tefillin. They have to wear it. Whatever reason. So the Gemara says, what should you do? Put on your tefillin at night. Once sunrise, you hit sunrise, or once it comes time you're out, you're able to wear tefillin, it says you should mimash mesh with tefillin. You should you should shake your tefillin around, as in move them from their place they are. Make the bracha move it back. You don't have to. It doesn't. You don't have to matriach. You don't have to go through the, the effort of taking your tefillin off and putting it back on. Just move them so then they're not in the place where you're obligated. Then put it back. Make a bracha and put it back. You do the same thing by. Uh, but sitis. Yeah, correct. Talis sitis. Correct. It's exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. So the Tzofnas Paneach says as follows. The Rabbi Trevor says as follows. He says, look, like, as follows. It says, look, listen, if the obligation for wearing fill on the head is just to wear it, whereas the one on the arm is to tie it, so if you think about it, once dawn hits and the obligation kicks in and the person's ready wearing fill in, well, now they're, willing to fill, they're already wearing the fill on the head, so they're all good and well. They don't have to move it around because the obligation is just to wear it. But if the obligation is to, is to tie that tefillin, as in on the arm, so then that would be what Gemara is talking about. They have to move it as if you're retying it, make the bracha and put it back on. That would be one of the differences in Akhtamina between the Shalrosh and Shalyat. The, um, why would this be? You don't have, you're saying you don't have to move the Rosh. You just let it, be, let it be where it is. But if you did, you wouldn't solve the problem in the first place. You wouldn't solve, if it's separate, and one is tying and one is sitting, then moving the rose, only, if you only move the Correct. Rose, then you would not... So he, the, 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 the is saying you should only move the arm. Why, what would be the difference? So Rabbi Salvechik in an essay, and he has a book on, on Stam, on territory to the he goes, because by Tzfilin we say, that the, the world will see that Hashem is written on you, the shame of, name of God is written on you, and we fear from you. These are the Tzfilin of the head. The Gemara says, anyone who doesn't wear tefillin, you know, it has some appropriate for someone who doesn't wear tefillin. And, and what is this? Is someone who never wears tefillin? We see that as well as talking about someone who doesn't put tefillin on their head. So what he wants to say is that there's, a, you know, we talk tefillins, we say, oh, tell yourself a sifar, a God, we're adorned with, with a glory, right? That's the brach in the morning. That as well as tefillin shavarosh. There's something about tefillin shavarosh, we constantly say, it's less about the action of putting it on, but it's through wearing tefillin shavarosh that makes us a different type of person. We're wearing, we're wearing this glory on our head, right? That's why some of the men, when they say the bracha of, oh, tell yourself a sifara, they'll move, they'll touch their tefillin. Another place to touch their tefillin. That through wearing tefillin, shavarosh, the world will see we're wearing tefillin, and they'll be fearful of us. That they'll, it gives us a certain sense of certain presence. Meaning to say that the purpose of tefillin shayad is to tie it on our hands. The purpose of tefillin shirosh is we're supposed to be sending out to the world a message that I'm a certain type of person, that I'm a head that wears tefillin, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that you should be fearful of me. Um, just one more, one, one more interesting point is, based off this, based off this, the, uh, the, you would assume that that's why you make two brachas, right? You make a bracha on the arm, you make a bracha on the head. In fact, that this is what, for all the people who say, you should make two brachas, the assumption is, why? Brach on the arm is for the tefillin of Lahaniyah, to have it placed on there, whereas the brach on the head is al mitzvah tefillin, because the tefillin is already sitting there, if you will. That's what the assumption is. However, the problem, the monkey wrench is, the Rambam who says it's two different mitzvahs, seemingly as Robert Salvechik wanted to argue, because it's two different, it's totally, it's totally different things. Yes, we always thought tefillin was tie on your head, t- put on your head, but no. The way, one is tying, whereas one is wearing, 
Sorry, the Rambam said the opinion you only make one bracha on film. So now that, that's the monkey wrench. Why would you only make one bracha on film? The Shulchan Aruch, it was fired and passed in that way. Isn't that technically what we do also? No. We take two no, brachas. You say two brachas, but then you say Baruch Shem to Malmach. But it's just, that's in deference. So <coughs> that's in deference. That, no, because if it really was, we wouldn't make it. Huh? If you really, we really thought you should have made it, we wouldn't make it. We wouldn't make a bracha. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So the question is, why would the Raman do this? Why would the Raman say you make one bracha? The only time you make two brachas, it says if you, if you, if you talk in between the two, if you have a hefsig, then you put two, make two. And so that's, that's the problem. So there are a couple of answers that are given. One answer given is the, the Grah argues, it's a little difficult, but the Grah says that if a person t- takes off miser, right, they take off the tithes, they make a bracha on taking miser. If a couple of days later they take truma off, they make a, a separate bracha on lahafra's truma, remove truma. If the person takes the truma and miser at once, they only make one bracha. It covers all of it. So the girl wanted to say, perhaps they're going to Vilna want to say, maybe you can say, you make one bracha on wearing tefillin because ultimately it's um, it's one bracha. Combined. It's combined. It's a it's, it's a little difficult. It's a little difficult. Part of the reason it's difficult, by the way, is the the Gemara and Sukkah tells us that if you have if you have many mitzvahs in front of you, you have many mitzvahs in front of you, and Rashi says, what what does it mean to have many mitzvahs in front of you? <coughs> Excuse me. No, he doesn't say that. He says, if you have many mitzvahs in front of you, meaning you have to take lula, sit in the sukkah, put on tefillin, and wrap yourself in tzitzis, just make a bracha of al mitz- aha mitzvahs to cover all of them. I mean, who disagrees? He goes, no, we make a bracha on each and every one of them. I want to start using that one. We, so we, 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 we reject it. We reject it. It happens to be, this is, a, just, I'll throw this out there just for, your, for, for convenience sake. We do some of it with, with like food, with like food. So, food, food. so I, I'm actually going to get that. So that the food might be a little different, but actually it's interesting. The same machlokas, but the same machlokas though does exist in brachos. Are Chacham saying make one bracha? Are Yehuda saying make million brachos? And we pass in the opposite. Right here we say we say we pass like Yehuda. You make a, make an individual bracha on each one. Don't make alamitzvos. In brachos, the Gemara tells us that when you eat vegetables, you make brei adama. Yehuda says no. I'll actually, it depends on what type of brachas you, you what, what, what type of uh, food you're eating, uh, veg, vegetable you're eating. And he actually divides, subdivides it even further. And in brachas, we pass like the chachamim. Why that is, if there's a miri, we're not going to get into now. But the point being, the point being, so the, the Gras is basically saying, is there are times when we make one bracha on many mitzvahs because it's just they're all in front of us. So that's what, so we'll get to them. Second, Reb Tzimen, in the Sefer Mitzvah Samelech, he wants to give me a second, he argues, it's not that, that's not the case, but rather, at the end of the day, Tzvillin, they have the same goal. And that's, you should, you should remember, as we said, Torah should be Vicha, Torah should be in your mouth. And so he said, what emerges from here is, the reason we make brachos is not tied to how many mitzvahs we're doing. We're doing two different mitzvahs. But we make one bracha because ultimately it's the same goal in mind. That's what he wants to say. Okay, I, I didn't love it, but that's what it is. Lastly, I just wanted to point out, just to come back to, and I'll take your question, Stan, to come back to this, um, to come back to this, why are women exempt? So it's a little, it's a little difficult, meaning, why, why would the Rambam quote this separate passage when we just say it's a mitzvah, it says grandma? So there are some will say that most Rishonim think the reason women are exempt is because, in fact, it is a mitzvah, it says grandma. It's a time-bound mitzvah. What's the proof? Because if you recall, what did, where, what did Rashi over here, and Daf Menvav, he puts fill in the list of tzitzis and lulav and sukkah. Interesting, right? Yeah, put it all in the same list. We live in a woke society. If it's before 
before the time of Tfilin. So, so, so to get to that, we actually, we actually passing. We passing. There's a machlobus nigmar. Is Tfilin during the day or Tfilin also at night? We passing Tfilin at night. We just don't wear it at night because we might fall asleep. Then you lose control of your body. You don't know what you're going to touch. We we passing Tfilin at night. The reason it's considered a mitzvah says she's mangrama is because we say we don't wear Tfilin on Shabbos. Why don't we wear Tfilin on Shabbos? So the Gemara, the Gemara tells us because we we're supposed to have always have two oses on us, two two signs. So on shot, so on, on during the week we have a, we have a bris milah which we call an os a sign, and we have tefillin which is another os. On Shabbos we have the bris milah, but Shabbos itself is called an os, and therefore we don't wear tefillin. So the true Sedeshin says, so what happens if someone who's who does not have bris milah should they wear tefillin on Shabbos? Yeah, interesting question. He says, uh, it's really it's just it's just an asmachta. It's not really what it means. It's hagadata. Really, we don't wear tefillin. Very embarrassing to that person. Mm-hmm. Embarrassing that person. Yeah, there could be a reason. Yeah, yeah, correct. So the Chumash Desha says, no, really, it's, it's Xerisaka. So the Torah tells us we don't wear tefillin on Shabbos. So that's why it's a time by mitzvah, because yes, you might wear it day and night, but you don't wear it on Shabbos, you don't wear it on Tovah. <coughs> so there are some who will argue that, that Rashi, just, most other Rishonim will just go with its mitzvah session's mangrama. The question is the Rambam. So I'll be honest, I'm not sure. I don't have a good reason yet. Seemingly, the Rambam, the Rambam doesn't think that's enough. The Rambam doesn't think that it's, you know, we know there are other mitzvah session's mangrama's women are chayven. The Rambam clearly thinks that for some reason Tfilin rises above that, and you would actually think a woman's obligated, and therefore we have to tie it to Talmud Torah. Unless the Ram is trying to highlight for us, you know, the connection between Talmud Torah and Tfilin, I'm not really sure. If anyone has a better answer from uh, better answer for me, please let me know. But that's the mitzvah of Tfilin. So just a quick review: Rambam counts Tfilin as two separate mitzvahs. We said, why would that be? Ramban wants to know why that would be because the Rambam counts Shema as one mitzvah, counts Talmud as one mitzvah. So that we pointed out that Tfilin. Perhaps it's two different goals. Tefillin Sharosh is about wearing the tefillin. It's about showing the world, I'm ahead that wears tefillin, it's a tiferes, it's glory. Or Tefillin Sharosh is about tying it on. We said the nafkaminas for that would be, um, the nafkaminas for that would be, um, what do we say nafkaminas for that would be? Well, put it on too early. Put it on too early, that's one of them. Another one, by the way, is there's a sheet from Rabbi Eliyahu. Tosus quotes that every day you have to retire tefillin. Retire tefillin. Hmm. It's not, you shouldn't, you shouldn't it's tie the actual knot, not tie in your arm. And, and he always says that could only be the tefillin shayat because that's about tying it. Mm-hmm. And you, meaning, okay, I mean, if the mitzvah is partially about tying, so you should do that. And then we said, <coughs> exactly. Right, so yeah, that, that, that is definitely true. Um, and then we said, and then we said that in terms of the brachos, why do we make two brachos? She's going to make one, make, make one bracha. So we said some say to make two brachas, perhaps because it's two different mitzvahs. Although Rabbi Salvechik did point out as well that maybe the bracha of a mitzvah tefillin is less about a bircha of a mitzvah and more about a bircha shavach. Like I'm praising God because I'm wearing tefillin. Why would that be? What do you praise God for in tefillin? You praise God for other mitzvahs. But it's tefillin is about the, the splendor, the glory. Oh, tell yourself, a sefara, God, you, you allowed us to be uh, glorified through wearing tefillin. So now you can understand a little bit why you, it's almost a bircha shavach. That, praising God for allowing us this. Okay, and then we want to know why women are exempt. So we said it could be. It's a, it's a regular mitzvah asayish's mangrama, which Rashi seems to imply. Rambam doesn't go that way, and the question is why. So I didn't have a good answer for you, and I'm sorry for that. Although it could be because he's trying to highlight the connection to Talmud Torah. It could be. I don't know. Um, but uh, with that, well, I wish you a wonderful week.